Napa know-how. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10-31-17. Well, hello. I am Matt Williamson. This is the Locked On NFL Podcast. If you didn't check out yesterday's show, I urge you to quite a bit. We broke down, or I broke down, talking with you guys. When the Patriots have the ball... And the distinct advantage I see from them uh, in that phase. So there's a whole podcast on that. So today we're going to do the opposite. And we're going to talk about when Atlanta's fantastic offense has the ball. And some matchups to look for, some strategies, a lot to think about there. But before we do, I just wanted to bring up special teams real quick. Uh, In this one, it does not seem like there's a distinct advantage overall for, uh, for either squad. Although I kind of give a slight nudge to, to New England. You know, when, when I told you I use my football outsider stats to, to figure out uh, special teams. And from what I gather, uh, New England's worst times during special, you know, in special teams in general. And Goskowski was early in the season that they have been proved and they're back to being pretty strong. But both these teams are pretty good overall in special teams. So um, I don't see a distinct advantage there. So... When the best offense in the league, which at some phases during this conversation, you might not think that I think this is the best offense in the league, but I really do. I'm super, super impressed with how it's built, with Matt Ryan, with Shanahan, with the massive jump that this team has made on this side of the ball in just one year. The second year familiarity with the scheme is very, very apparent as is the addition of Alex Mack, one of the best free agent signings around the league this year. Um, They're much less Julio-dependent than they were a year ago. Guys like Sanu and even Hoopers and Gabriels and those type of guys stepping up even more so this year. So the nuts and bolts of it with these guys is they can attack you in just so many ways. Like, I just wrote an article about how dangerous their receiving backs are like Freeman and Coleman and sometimes you'll see them on the field together and to me they kind of add up to be Le'Veon Bell or David Johnson you know that they're really really potent great receivers dangerous and we'll get into them more but it's just a, an example of how the how many different ways they can attack you with this offense and they are very very uh, versatile, a lot of different personnel groupings, a lot of different formations, and they're going to throw a lot of these things out at their opponent early in the game. And it's almost like, well, it, it's exactly what they're doing. They're, they're they're taking notes to see, okay, when we go to this formation, we see that you check the cover two. So the next time we go to that formation, I'm going to call a cover two beater, you know, those type of things. But what's amazing is they score a touchdown every time, every first drive they have too. I mean, what is it, eight games in a row? That's one of the more amazing things in the league right now. I mean, eight first drives in a row they've scored a touchdown. Unbelievable. So they are a fantastic offense. Um, 
and we're going to see three receiver sets. We're going to see one receiver sets. You're going to see three tight ends in the game at once. You're going to see a fullback a lot. Like I mentioned yesterday with the Patriots, Atlanta's a very heavy fullback-oriented team. The Jones is the straw that serves a drink, of course. I think he's the best receiver in the league. Superstar, foot injury or not, whatever. You know, he, he's great after the catch. He's a total package. He's a prototype. But as any Shanahan scheme goes, and this goes back to Kubiak and Daddy Shanahan and, you know, all the guys before Kyle, it starts with that zone blocking scheme. I mean, think of old school Denver, you know, that they're, they're more of an athletic line than they are a power line. It's more of an outside zone scheme, but that doesn't mean, you know, when, when, you, when you run outside zone, if they see an early crease, they hit it and it ends up going through the A gap or B gap. It, you know, it doesn't mean you have to run outside the tackles all the time. Um, but that's basically how they're, you know, how things are derived. I mean, that's the nuts and bolts of this offense. That's the foundation of the offense. And then they're a fantastic, fantastic play-action team. A fantastic big play team, whether it comes from a Coleman long run or a Gabriel bomb or Julio after the catch or so many ways they create big plays. But a lot of those come off of play-action as well. So, I really like what these guys do. Brief overview of the, of the Patriots. They're... I think that scouting staff very much, you know, look as they always have. They want tough guys. They want versatile guys. They want smart guys. But less than in years past, I don't think they're as, you know, as much of a chameleon week to week as they used to be. You know, it used to be that we would adapt, our, you know, totally scrap what we do. And, and this is probably a little embellished because of the Belichick lore and all that. But... You know, we don't know if you're going to see a 3-4 or a 4-3 or, you know, we can do so many things to you. And we have so many versatile guys, McGinnis and Vrabel and Brewski and all those types. Seymour, because Seymour was one of the best ever, by the way. One of the most over, over, underrated guys in, the, in history, in my opinion. But anyways, that we can align in all these different techniques and different formations and play man or play zone or you don't know what you're getting each week. And we're going to game plan very specifically for you. I think that's less the case now than ever. I think some of their foundations are... They're much more of a man coverage team now, and I think they're very secondary centric. You know that I think they're very, very high on their corners. McCourty's kind of their Malcolm Jenkins, Earl Thomas, quarterback, do it all guy, but can be the center fielder like Thomas. They love to be a big nickel team, especially of late, with three safeties on the field as their base defensive personnel. Uh, we'll get to that in a minute. I think that's a monster key to this game. Um, they don't rush the passer very well. I mean, that's the big weakness with this team. They tackle really well. They don't allow big plays. That's going to be a giant component here. Um, they can certainly play zone, but they're more of a man coverage team, which if you can get away with it in today's NFL, that is a big advantage. I think they have great respect for Butler and Ryan, and Ryan's played much, much better as the season's gone on, really playing at a high level now. And generally, you don't know for sure Butler, Ryan, and then Rowe comes in the game as their sub-package player, and Ryan goes to the slot most of the time, more often than not. Um, but they have two really big corners, and Butler's not tiny. 
But Butler's the better of the two players, but they don't necessarily treat them as a number one corner and a number two corner. It's not Revis Island, Deion Sanders Island, Butler Island. Even though, like last week, he matched up on Antonio Brown, who was clearly the Steelers' number one. Generally, and again, I'm not going to tell you this is exactly how Belichick's going to do it, and it won't be every snap. But generally, you see Butler on the smaller, shiftier guy, Ryan's the bigger player. He'll go often on the number one. So, in this case, I think you're going to see a lot of Butler alone on Sanu. Hardly any help at all. And I think that still favors the Patriots a great, great deal. Um, When the Patriots are in their base defense against Atlanta's base defense, I think you see Ryan on Julio with an awful lot of safety support, probably McCourty, um, over the top there. And we saw this you know, against Pittsburgh. Uh, Seattle's notorious for it. It's smart football. I think they're going to be very physical and make the, the ref throw flags on in Super Bowl Sunday, which the league doesn't want to see the field littered with flags. They're going to force human nature to throw the flag over and over. So keep a real eye out on... Defensive holding, defensive pass interference. My hunch is they're going to be more reluctant to call it the bigger the game. You know, they don't want to ruin the NFL product. It's just, you know, you want the refs to be invisible. And the Patriots know this better than anyone. Seattle's great at it, too. So I think Ryan is very physical with Julio, with serious safety support over the top. And Butler's basically on an island on Sanu, which favors New England. When... They go three wide, and Rowe comes in the game. Ryan will will be the slot guy, like I said, and Julio will line up in the slot a fair amount too, and that would keep that that situation. I would think Butler still follows Sanu. As a little side note too, I think I've mentioned this on Twitter Tuesday that somebody pointed out to me that there's three defensive backs here that are going to play heavy heavy snaps. You know, Ryan and and McCordy and these guys that were. You know, used to cover Sanu in practice at Rutgers, but Butler's not one of them, and I don't think that matters. But they will be comparing notes throughout the week, of course. But I think whenever the Falcons go to three wide, and Julio's not aligned in the slot, you're going to see Rowe on him, who matches up pretty well from a size perspective. And I heard Mike Lombardi say this earlier in the week too that the thing about Julio, you know, and you saw him and these big physical receivers, and you saw this against Green Bay. It's like. Not only do you want a big guy to combat the ball in the air with him and battle him through the routes, but he's going to catch passes, and you got to get him on the ground. You know, you don't want the 5'9", 180-pound corner bouncing off Julio, or, you know, we saw what he did to the Packers last week. I mean, so getting the, you know, once he gets the ball, you got a totally different battle on your hands. This guy's going to shrug you and go. But anyways, I think when... Atlanta's in three wide, and which therefore will translate into dime for the Patriots. And again, I'm going to talk about that grouping more here in a minute, and I think it's key. Probably see Rowe, who the Steelers beat up on, and Rowe got very lucky that he was not uh, really exposed in that game. But he's been decent this year. He certainly has the physicality and length you look for against Jones, but... Um, that will be interesting to me. I mean, I, I, like we talked about in base, I like how the Patriots' corners stack up. But against three wide with Rowe and a ton of safety help, of course, 
that's a little more favorable. So I'm also real interested to see when the Falcons go three wide, will Ryan follow him? And then we're going to ask Roe or Butler to go to the slot. I don't know. Will Atlanta put Julio in the slot and make it easy on Ryan to stay with them? Or do you keep him outside the numbers and make them put row or change what they want to do in that situation? So I think that's very, very interesting matchup to look at in the back end here. So those matchups we talked about are really fascinating to me. Like I said, this is the league's best offense. I don't think it's the league's best defense, despite you know not allowing... You know, they've allowed the fewest points in the league. I mean, and we've talked about this. I think those numbers are a little overblown. Because Brady never turns the ball over. And one thing I'm going to mention about yesterday, actually, was Patriot fumbles are one thing to keep an eye on here, too. I mean, it, you, you think about a turnover game. I don't think Tom's going to throw touch or throw interceptions, but their backs have fumbled. It's just a little side note. Put that in the back of your cranium. But anyways, the what were we talking about here? Patriots defense, to me, is not the best defense in the league, despite their numbers. Uh, their slate of games they played were really easy for, you know, quarterback-wise and offenses they faced, and the offense helped them a lot, too, as in special teams. But it's still very good. It's extremely well-coached. That goes without saying. But let's give Matt Patricia a pat on the back, too. I mean, everyone talks about Belichick's defense and Belichick's defense. And yeah, I mean, yeah, it's Belichick's defense. But Matt Patricia's, by all accounts, borderline genius. I mean, in real life, like a real genius, not like Bill Walsh a genius or, you know, I mean, this dude's a genius and has done an awful lot with this side of the ball. I mean, I got to think he's going to be a head coach next year. But they're really difficult to play against. And overall, I think they're a really bad matchup through Atlanta's eyes. And there's obviously there'd be some other defenses you'd not want to play against Denver, people like that. But, but like even against Denver, I mean, Denver they they got their backs on linebackers and exploited them. And so that's one thing Atlanta's great at. And we kind of mentioned that earlier, that they can attack you so many ways. And if things aren't working, they're going to try something new and they're going to find something eventually. But I just think the Patriots are going to be more prepared for that than most because they take away the big plays. They tackle so well. They're great in the red zone. They can match wits with anyone. They're as well coached or better coached than anyone. And a huge key to me, and I want to talk about the big guys now, I like the Falcons' offensive line quite a bit. I think their tackles are good. I think Mack is borderline great. I think Chester, their guard, is clearly their weak link. But Mack's ankle injury, to me, is a big deal. And one thing about this line, too, those five have played together the entire year, which is a massive advantage. It's absolutely huge. And that continuity is really important. Um, I'm not saying Mack's not going to play, but I think that... If he's not great, I would really worry. And my hunch is this ankle is a big deal, and I have a hard time believing he's going to be great. And I'm going to be watching him the first couple of snaps of the game for sure. And here's the reasoning more so. You know, that Malcolm Brown, I think, is quietly developing into a star. And in most defenses, he would be your one-shade nose tackle type at 330 pounds. But he moves well enough to line up three technique, five technique, basically anywhere on the inside shoulders of the tackles. Is you're going to find Malcolm Brown, a great young player in the making. But they have Branch, and Branch looks like he's 370 and a full-grown man. And he is a big-time move-the-line-of-scrimmage 
type of player. And I think he's going to spend a lot of time right over Mac. And if Mac does not anchor or move as well as he used to, that is going to be a problem. And I think that that pairing of defensive tackles, if you look at it this way, like if, if that pairing of defensive tackles can win slash hold their own against the three interior offensive linemen, and, you know, this is kind of a, a clash of styles. Those guys win with power and size and physicality and oh, walk you back like, you know, Andre the Giant. Where the Atlanta line, like the old Bronco ones, are going to win with quickness and beat you off the ball and hook you and get you position-wise. And if Mac's a little slow there, that's a problem. You know, sometimes the, the, the logic is often, hey, we want these big defensive tackles moving laterally because that's not what they do well. Yeah, but if they have you moving backwards before you're moving laterally, I think that's more likely to happen, um, especially with the Mac injury. So that's something really to watch. But it's a cohesive offensive line. I think Matthews's Mac are the best players there, but overall they're kind of uh, the the whole is better than the sum of their parts. But the other thing that you know, so if those two can control the middle, going back to that, I think that goes a really long way to allowing, well, for, especially against the run, but also to get some interior you know, uh, pass rush and at least push the pocket, make Ryan move off his spot. Because I mentioned you know, the Patriots don't rush the passer well. And that's the big negative on this side of the ball when I'm looking at Patriots situations. So are they going to blitz? Are they not? We'll figure that out too. Um, but by if those two can control the middle of the offensive line, those big, big defensive tackles, I think that allows the... Patriots to live basically in big nickel against base personnel with three safeties and Chung becomes your Dion Buchanan, Mark Barron, nickel linebacker type. Why is that super important? Because then I think when we go back to those matchups in the passing game, I think that allows Chung to spend a lot of time on Freeman or Coleman as opposed to having Van Noy or Hightower or one of their linebackers that would be a major disadvantage. I've read a lot of analysis this week, and I think I'm the only one that's saying that, that a lot of people are saying, boy, that the the Falcons running backs are going to have primo matchups against these linebackers. And I just think Patricia and Belichick are too smart to let that happen, and they're going to have too much faith in their defensive tackles that they're going to say, we're going to play a basically a 5-1 front, and they've done a lot of this lately. And sometimes those edge players are linebackers. They could be Hightower or, or whomever, or Flowers or Long or Sheard or whomever. But I think they're basically going to have five people on the line of scrimmage, including, of course, those two massive defensive tackles with the two edge guys in that front five on defense playing pretty wide, you know, for that outside zone scheme to kind of be outside before you have to be type of deal in terms of alignment and push everything, funnel everything to the inside with basically one second, pure second level player um, and Chung near the line of scrimmage. And the beauty of that, if they can pull it off, and I think they can, and again, I'm going to pre-pat myself on the back on it, is then you can get Chung on a, on a running back in coverage much easier. And you can still keep the same rules that I mentioned against Julio and all those things too. And they would still hold true whenever they go to, you know, passing personnel and you bring Rowe in and you take a, a defensive tackle type off the field. 
you still would have six defensive backs out there then, and Chung should be able to spend time on a running back. Or maybe it's McCourty here and there, but mostly a big safety on a running back as opposed to these bigger, heavier, downhill linebackers they have. So, by all those accounts, I think this Patriot defense stacks up extremely well. And I think you'll see a lot of two-man coverage. You know, I mentioned they're going to play a lot of man. Probably with two high safeties, McCourty often being one. Um, eliminate the big play, tackle well. Will they blitz a lot? That's something I don't have a great feel for. I, I don't know, but I think they'll slow down the running game. I think they'll slow down the big plays by Coleman and Julio and Gabriel much better than these teams, than Atlanta's accustomed to facing. Um, so I. But Matt Ryan's great. I mean, I feel like I'm setting, selling him short. And especially when he has time, he's as lethal as Brady or anyone, you know, and he's, he's been outstanding. So I'm curious how the pass rush goes. And again, if Mac isn't the same, are they going to have not consistent, but at least flashes of Brown and Branch and those type of guys pushing the pocket? I like Flowers a lot as a player, and they'll use him almost as a Justin Tuck, Michael Bennett player at times, too, especially on passing downs. And I think if you get him matched up one-on-one on Chester and to a lesser degree, Levitre, that could pay off for you here and there. You know, does a guy like Chris Long play the best game he has in five years? You know, first time he's been to the Super Bowl. I mean, I think it's possible, you know. I mean, again, I like Matthews. I like their tackles, but they're not great. Um so pass rush will be key. I mean, to me, that's the big negative of the, the Patriots' offense, defense right now. And uh, Hightower is an excellent blitzer. I think that's somebody to keep an eye on, too. I mean, whether it's off the edge, sometimes he'll line up in almost a defensive end role. Or if it's immediate A-gap type pressure, I think he could do really well with that, too, lining him as a second-level player. So overall, that's going to be a really good matchup. And if you've listened to the yesterday's podcast, if you listen to this today's podcast, I think you know that I'm going to pick the Patriots. Um, I'm actually going to pick them big. I, I, I think this game's not going to be very competitive in the fourth quarter. Here's why. Um, I feel like special teams are a draw. I feel like when Atlanta has the ball, is about as much of a draw as you can get against that Falcons offense. So, I mean, if I had to put the check mark one place, I'd probably still give it to Atlanta, although this podcast doesn't really reflect that. But I think they're going to battle them really well and make them sustain long drives and tackle and red zone, all these things I've told about. And I love the matchups for New England more so than any defense I can come up with against Atlanta. But if you listen to yesterday's podcast, when New England has the ball, I put six check marks on New England's offense. You know, I mean, if all everything else is equal in this game, Brady versus that defense, to me, is disaster for Atlanta. And yeah, I know it's gotten better. I said that 800 times yesterday. But still Tom Brady, it's still a lot of weapons. It's still a lot of ways they can attack you. And I think they can exploit weaknesses like crazy. I think the Patriots' offense can help the defense by running the ball and controlling the clock and controlling tempo and LeGarrette Blunt and bludgeoning these guys. And then there's the intangible things that I'm not always so big on. But Super Bowl... If one team's going to be jittery, nervous, not on top of their game the first series or two, I got to think that's going to be Atlanta. I mean, I know it's not going to be Brady. I know it's not going to be Belichick. And if the game comes down to a big coaching decision, that has to favor New England too. 
I don't think it will. I have Patriots 35, Atlanta 20 with a late score to make it look better than it is. I know that's not what everyone wants to hear. Everyone wants to see a good Super Bowl. But I think the you know, announcers are going to be talking in the fourth quarter of what's going to happen when Kraft, hand, or, you know, Kraft gets the, the trophy from the commissioner and what's Brady going to say and how's Belichick going to react and as opposed to, boy, this is down to the wire. This is going to be a great Super Bowl. Whoever has the ball last wins. That certainly could happen. Maybe I'm selling the Falcons short and I have great respect for where they are, especially their offense. But I don't think this goes well for them and I think this matchup is very unfavorable on all sides, you know, on both sides of the ball for the Falcons. So I got the Patriots big. You guys can let me have it. Spread the word. Let everyone know about this podcast. I think I have some takes that I haven't heard from others around the week, uh, especially the whole Chung on Atlanta running back situation. So that's something I'm really going to key on. Um, check out the rest of the Locked On Network. I'm sure you guys will let me have it if I screwed up the prediction. I'm sure you Falcons fans will be in my ear on Twitter at Williamson NFL this weekend. And we will talk Monday. Obviously, Monday show is going to be breaking down Super Bowl 51. All right, guys. Take care. Napa it takes a lot to get excited about a bag. But most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10 17